Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. I want to see your glory. I want to know your grace. That song just mentioned. And that's what we're going to look at for a few moments this morning. Open your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. I know that some of you write down the date and the name of the person that preached that passage. And so you're going to see, if you do that, you're going to see that I preached this several weeks ago or months ago when we were going through the book. But I want you to know it's a different sermon. (laughs) Plus, I would not flatter myself to think you even remembered that sermon anyway. You just wrote the date down and the name. Titus chapter 2. There was a boy who was constantly nagging his dad that he wanted to get a real Christmas tree. And his dad always said, I don't want to pay for it. The next year came, Dad, can we please have a real Christmas tree? He said, I don't want to pay for it. So finally, he managed to exasperate his father, and his dad picked up an axe and went outside came back in 30 minutes with the most beautiful Christmas tree you could see. And his son was amazed that he returned so soon. He said, Dad, how did you cut it down so fast? He said, well, actually, I went down the street and got it from the lot where they're selling Christmas trees. And he said, well, then why did you take your ax? He said, I told you, I don't want to pay for it. I don't recommend that. I also read this week where it said, when you stop believing in Santa Claus is when you start getting clothes for Christmas. My favorite though, and this would probably happen to me, a 90-year-old lady decided it was too much trouble to go Christmas shopping for all of her family and friends. And so she decided to just write a check and send in the Christmas card. So she wrote out the checks. She wrote on the Christmas card, buy your own present, and then signed her name. She sent out her Christmas cards. About two weeks later, she was taking down Christmas decorations and cleaning up. She opened up a drawer, and there were all the checks that she was supposed to have sent. So all these people got a Christmas card that said, buy your own present. And signed their name. Now that sounds like something that would happen to me. So make sure you put your check in there. If money were no object, what would you want for Christmas? Now, some people would say, well, God, give me a a better job or give me a a new car or give me a, a, a husband or a wife or give me a better husband or a wife or. God, give me an iPhone or an iPad or whatever. But I want you to know that God has already given you the greatest gift you'll ever receive, and that is his grace through Jesus Christ. Now, many of you have seen movies made based on the story by Charles Dickens called A Christmas Carol. And in that story, and maybe there's all kinds of variations of the movie, but in that 
story is an old, mean, miserly man by the name of Ebenezer Scrooge. And Scrooge had no room in his heart and life for anyone else but himself. All he thought about was himself and his money. And through a series of visits by three Christmas spirits on Christmas Eve, he woke up filled with regret for the way that he lived and had a change of heart after seeing his life the way it really was. And he takes a different path. He becomes a very generous and grateful and person of compassion. Now, Disney made a version of A Christmas Carol. And the, and the, and the, uh, the trailer for it, or the preview for it, the narrator says this, what if you were given a second chance to get your life right? The ghost of Christmas past, present, and future will give one man that chance. Well, folks, what I want to share with you today, that Christmas is really like that, only it's not about three Christmas spirits, but this passage right here talks about this. And so I'm going to borrow some of Charles Dickens' theme and show you how this applies to you and me. Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own people, his own special people, zealous for good works. Well, the first thing we see is the grace of Christmas past. We're about to celebrate Christmas season or Christmas, the coming of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to Titus, he said, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared in the past. We celebrate it at this time of year. He also wrote, excuse me, he didn't, but Luke wrote in Luke 178, it was part of the prophecy of Zacharias who said, through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring which is Jesus, from on high, has appeared to us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Now, the word to all men is appeared. He's come. He's visited us. The word to all men doesn't, doesn't mean that everyone's going to be saved. It means that to all humans, to all people, this gift has appeared, has been made available. The Bible makes it very clear that those who follow Jesus Christ by faith will spend eternity in heaven, and those who deny Jesus Christ won't spend eternity in heaven, but will be separated from God. But the good news of God's grace is this. It's for all people. There's no sinner that's beyond the reach of God's grace. Think about Paul, whose name was Saul, he hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He hated anything that had to do with that. Persecuted the church. He called himself the chief of sinners. And yet he followed Jesus on the road to Damascus. So folks, regardless of where you are in your life, 
no matter how deep you have sunk in sin, no matter how far you've drifted from God, no matter how dark the night might be in your life, God's grace can reach you. Amen? See, God's grace doesn't depend on your age or your wealth or your race or your gender or your political stance or your social standing. God's grace is for all people. But I also want you to notice what else it says, the grace of God that brings salvation. You see, it doesn't say the goodness of people brings salvation, does it? And it it doesn't say the sincerity of religion brings salvation. It's the grace of God that brings salvation. And God's grace is unconditional and it's unmerited. There's no strings attached to it. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. It's a gift. We talk about giving gifts. I want an amen every now and then or I'm going two hours today. So you better help me out. I've already been in one service where they needed some oxygen put in there. Y'all are better than this. Come on now. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, God's grace means that salvation is not based on our performance. It's based on God's promise. It's not based on our merit. It's based on God's mercy. It's not based on my goodness or your goodness. It's based on God's grace. But this goes completely against what the world has to say. Have you heard of the naughty and nice list? We talk about it this time of year, don't we? In fact, I read something about Santa this week I never thought about. It said, Santa works one day a year and spends the rest of the year judging you. (laughs) That's true, isn't it? You're either on the naughty list or you're on the nice list. But you see... In all, in the spiritual realm, all of the world's religions except biblical Christianity is based on the merit system. Seriously, think about it. Even, even the, one of the largest supposedly Christian parts, the, I, I, I'm not being mean, I'm just going to tell you the truth, but even in the Catholic Church, you have to add to what Jesus did in order to get there. Because if you don't, then you go to a place, purgatory, and you, and you build up enough credit there, different ways, I'm putting it mildly, and then you get out. But folks, in all the other religions, people are earning their way to salvation. Only biblical Christianity knows what the grace of God is. You, it reaches to everyone. It's free. It doesn't, you can't earn it or buy it. You're not good enough to have it. If you were, it wouldn't be grace. You would have earned it. You see, there's nothing greater than grace. Nothing the world can offer. Grace is Jesus stooping down to us and standing up for us. Think about it. In John chapter 8, the Pharisees, the legal guy, the legalist guys, They showed up with a woman caught in adultery, drug her across there looking for Jesus. They could hardly wait to find him. 
And when they finally found Jesus, they threw her down in front of him and said, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law says that she's to be stoned. And then they looked at Jesus and they said, what do you say? Hoping to trap him. Well, here's a woman laying before Jesus, helpless, hopeless. And what does Jesus do? He stoops down on the ground. It's what John 8 says. He stoops. He begins to write on the ground. Then he stands up and he looks at them and he said, go ahead and stone her, but let the one of you that has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stoops down again and begins to write on the ground. Well, of course, they drop their stones and they leave. (laughs) Then Jesus stands up again and he looks at the woman and he says, Where are your accusers? Is there no one to condemn you? And she says, no, Lord, there's no one. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, think about this. Jesus stooped to come to us. He left the highest of deity to become to to, to come to the depths of humanity. He became one of us, took on flesh, and he stooped. How low did he stoop? He stooped low enough to be mocked and scoffed and laughed at and ridiculed and denied and stooped low enough to be beaten half to death before he's put on a cross and then hung in shame on a cross and takes the sin of the world and he stooped enough to be laid in a tomb after he died and he laid there three days. But then Jesus stood up. And he stood up for you and me because when he stood up, sin's penalty was paid. And he stands for us today at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Aren't you glad for for the grace of Christmas past. That's what he did. There's nothing greater than grace. Grace is the face that God puts on when he looks at our failures and our faults and our flaws. How do you spell salvation? You see, some people spell it D-O, do. You have to do this, and you have to do this, and and do this, and do this, and hopefully you'll make it. Then there's the opposite of that. Some people spell it D-O-N apostrophe T, don't. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, and you might go to heaven. Let me tell you how Jesus spells it. D-O-N-E, done. It's done, it's paid for, it's complete. It's offered to you and me. That's the grace of Christmas past. But I also want you to see, in fact, it says in Acts chapter 15, 11, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved. No one else ever volunteered to pay for your sin. You know why? (laughs) No one else could. It took a sinless person to die for our sin. 
No other person on earth could do that. The one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ, the only one that could pay for our sins. Jesus has appeared for us. But let's talk about the grace of Christmas present. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, the song says. There's several descriptive traits right here that talk about what happens in a man and woman's life when they follow Jesus Christ. The first thing you see is that, in fact, look at verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. The first thing it is, when you find God, you, you receive Jesus Christ and God's grace, you leave the sinful life. You deny some things in your life. Well, some people would say, now, wait a minute. If you teach grace, that's a dangerous doctrine because people can be saved by grace and then go live like they want to. But that's not how it works because the Holy Spirit lives in your life. He begins to change the way that you live. And there are some things that you turn from. You see, grace changes you. Amen? It changes your heart because God gives you a new heart. It changes your head because you begin to think the way God wants you to think. It changes your habits because you just want to do those things that bring glory to God. A person who's experienced God's grace, two things are true about him. He can't live the way like he used to, and he wants to live like God wants him to. You see, if your religion hasn't changed you, you need to change your religion. Because Jesus Christ never leaves you the same. Every time someone met Jesus, they didn't stay the same. The word ungodliness, it says you're going to deny ungodliness. And by the way, the, word, the way the word is written, deny, means that you do it yourself. It's an heiress middle voice, which means the, you're responsible for the action. You're going to start denying some things. Ungodliness. Now, when you hear the word ungodly, you think somebody that... Is as mean as you can be, and as vile as you can be, and as immoral as they can be, and you think of the worst sinner that you can conjure up in your mind. But actually, the word means when you don't have a place for God in your life. Boy, that means there's some nice people that don't have a place for God in their life. Think of, think of the world today. And everybody, everything that the world has to offer, and they're trying to grab all of that, but they don't have a place for God in their life. He said, from now on, you deny that. You, you want God to be in every part of your life, in your married life, in your home life, in your business life, in your leisure. You want God to be part of all of it. You deny ungodliness. No longer do you live as if God doesn't have any part of your life. He also said you deny worldly lust. We know in 1 John 2, 16, it's the three arsenal, the three weapons in Satan's arsenal are the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's about all he's got. It's what the world has to offer. We go by emotions. If it feels good, I want to do that or whatever. And then the lust of the eyes, I want to grab everything I can and the pride of life. I'm going to be at the top. I want to be the best. I want to everybody to know me. He said, that's not what your life is about anymore. That's not the way you live anymore. Your life is directed by the Spirit of God. 
And so you leave the sinful life. Are we perfect? Heavens, no. If there's any perfect people in here today, you're dismissed. You can go on out. I don't have anything to tell you. There's not any perfect people. We still struggle with it. But we don't have a life characterized by it. We don't just live in sin. You don't want to live that way anymore. Holy Spirit convicts you and makes you miserable. Doesn't want you to be there. Then it says, we should live, verse 12, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. You live the sanctified life in the present age, right now. There are three parts to you and me. We are a body, a soul, which is the mind, emotions, and will, and a spirit. In the Garden of Eden, when man sinned, he died immediately in his spirit. God is spirit. We worship him in spirit and truth. He, he died immediately in his spirit. He progressively died in his soul. His mind, emotions, and will got further and further from God, and eventually they died in their body. Well, Jesus reverses that. When you accept Christ, his spirit immediately gives you life, begins to change your mind, emotions, and will, and eventually, praise God, we're going to get a new body. But I want you to notice these three words, soberly, righteously, and godly. Soberly means to live under self-control. That deals with the inward life. My soul or my minds and my thought process. Through the grace of God, he begins to help my thought processes. My soul, my mind, emotions, and will. To live righteously deals with my body, the outward man. To live not a life of sin, but to live a, a life that honors the Lord. And to live godly deals with the spiritual life, my upward life. We're to love God and, and to like what God wants us to like. And here's the point. God not only gives you the grace to live with him in heaven, he gives you the grace to live with him here on this earth. Christmas present, the grace that's present. He also says that you'll love the servant life. As I put it in verse 14, it says... Zealous for good works. The word zealous means boiling over. It, it's burning hot. Grace literally sets you on fire to do what God wants you to do, to do some things for his kingdom. See, it's, not one, th it's one thing to be saved by grace, but it also enables you to do things. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. See, people think that grace is the end of being saved, but quite the opposite. It's just the beginning. The grace that saves you from sin is the grace that sends you out to serve the Lord. And all these traits are for this present age. This is what we're supposed to be doing right here. Grace has brought me safe thus far. And what's the rest of that phrase? And grace will lead me home. Which brings us to the third point, the grace of Christmas future. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope. That word looking for is a... 
Here's the picture. You imagine a young bride who's married and her husband's away in the military and she is looking for him to return, anticipating, excited about it. And one day, by the grace of God, the Lord Jesus is going to come back. We're looking for his return, anticipating it. The appearing, notice it says appearing. I believe that it's, it's talking about the rapture, that Jesus will appear, call the Christians home. Obviously, there's going to be a time of tribulation, but then the second coming, he will come to the earth. But he's, we're looking for his appearing. Now, let me ask you something. and be, You don't have to answer me, but are you a little nervous about seeing Jesus? Some of you are going, yeah. If I, if I could prove to you that, that Jesus was in the, in the venue or the gym, how many of you get up right now and run in there or see him? Well, I know you're going, oh, yeah, I'm ready to see Jesus. But down deep, you're probably a little nervous thinking, you know, there's a couple of things I just don't have right yet. You ever feel that way? Why? Because when you see Jesus, the same grace that saved you is the same grace that's going to meet you when you see him. Jesus isn't going to come get you and go, now, I've been wanting to talk to you. Let me tell you about this, 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 and this, and this. We're looking for him to return. He's put in us the desire to live as long as we can. There's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of us think that when we die, well, it's the end of living. Actually, we're in the land of the dying on the way to the land of the living. And when we get there, it's going to be better than you can imagine. To put it in West Texas English, you ain't seen nothing yet. Jesus came first time to take away our sin. He's coming back the second time to take us away from sin. He's not only taking us to someplace, he's taking us away from someplace too. We many times hear this word, Advent. This is the Advent season. It's the coming of Jesus, the first Advent. We're looking for the second Advent. Because when he comes again, he's coming to take us home. And I want you to notice in verse 14, it says, he gave himself for us. He paid for us to redeem it, that he might redeem us. That word redeem means to buy a slave off the slave market and set them free. We were slaves to sin. We couldn't free it. We couldn't free ourselves. We couldn't get rid of it. But Jesus paid it for us. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the one who could pay for it. He was the only one that could. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. He gave his life. And it also says that he might purify us. When you ask God to forgive you of your sin, believing in your heart 
that Jesus died for your sin on the cross and rose again and you place your faith and trust in Christ. You don't just pray a prayer. You commit your life to Christ. When that happens, you know what God does? He washes you, immerses you with the righteousness of Jesus. So when God looks at you, he looks at you as if you've never sinned. That is an incredible concept. Incredible concept. All I can see in my own life is my sin. But when God looks at you and me through Jesus, you stand justified. It's a legal term. I like to think of it this way, just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. So you don't have anything to be afraid of, to see him. And it also says that he possesses us in verse 14. We are his own special people. King James translates it peculiar people. I've got to admit, he's got some peculiar people, including me. I finally heard an amen. I, I heard that over there. Especially when I said I'm one of them. I am one. You know what? Think about it. Why would God want you and me? But you're weirdos. But did you know the word peculiar actually, and the reason the King James translated it that way, it meant set apart something very precious and special. We think of it as weird, but that's not what it meant then. And that's why New King James and other translators translate it special people. You are his own child. Why he wants you and me, I don't know. I'm just glad he does. Your past doesn't define you. No matter where you are, no matter where you've been, God stands ready to forgive you and to love you. Your past does not define you. This point forward, this is what God wants me to be. And your present can be different. Maybe your life is all messed up right now, but did you know the, the Lord would say, well, listen, maybe some things aren't right. You're, you're a child of God. You know you've been saved. You've never been saved. Nothing's going to be right until you know Jesus. But if you've been saved and something's not right, well, 1 John 1, 9 says, if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, believe it or not, my wife is sitting over here with some of our grandchildren, and, and every now and then she disagrees with me. We've never really had a fight, but we've had some strong dialogue. <laughs> and you know what? I don't like it when things aren't right between us. I can't pray. I can't do anything if things aren't right. And so to make it right, we don't have to go get married again. We're still married. We just confess and seek forgiveness and make that fellowship sweet. That's what you do with God. Maybe you're not where you ought to be today. He already knows it. You might as well admit it. Confess it. 
and ask him to forgive you. Your future. It's not too late to change your future. If you don't know Jesus, you have a bleak future. Your hopeless future. But today, your future can change when you come to know Christ as your Savior. In a moment, we're going to have communion together. It's for believers. But before we do that, I, I would like for you to bow your heads with me in prayer. And, and God's invitation is this. If you don't know Jesus, the gift is there. The gift that you need, you have to receive it. You can know about it. You can be told all about it. But if you've never received the gift that God has for you, never change your life. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for those who need Jesus as their Savior. Oh, they've known about him or they've heard about him, but they've never committed their life to him. Lord, would you convince them of your love for them and convict them of sin and, and bring them to you that they might turn from their sin, believing that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, and trusting their life to you right now. I pray for the believers in the room who may need to make things right with you. This Bring that fellowship back where it should be. I pray for those that need a, a church or they need to be baptized. They've been saved, but they've not been the obedient in being baptized. Publicly professing you as Savior and Lord. So Lord, I pray that you would bring people to you. Folks, I, I don't want you to leave because we're about to observe the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, would you quietly stand to your feet and keep your heads bowed? And there are pastors here to pray with you if there's a decision on your heart today. No, we're not going to make you stand up here in front of everybody. No one's looking around. But maybe there's something that you need to make right with God or you want one of these guys to pray with you or whatever it might be. That tug at your heart is the Holy Spirit leading you to come. We'll wait just a moment while you come. Is there anyone today? If you're watching us online, you hit that connect button. Somebody will help you right now. seated please you know we don't ever close an invitation because it's God's invitation and if you didn't come that's all it's okay I understand that's a lot of people but you can use that communication card that's in the seat pocket or you can text the phrase living hope 
with no space to 474747. Let us know. Our first response to you will be a telephone call. We'd like to help you. Uh, even after we're dismissed, some pastors will be here at the front to, to, to pray with you and to receive you and to talk with you. We try to make it as easy as possible. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you've been born again, you are welcome to participate with us in the Lord's Supper. Let's think about this, what we've been talking about today. One of the reasons we have communion is for the past, to remember what Jesus has done for us. And aren't you glad he paid it all? Where are you right now in the present? Am I in the right spot I should be? Is there anything I need to make right with God? And it says as long, as, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till when? Till he comes in the future. The past, the present, and the future. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. I'd like for us to give thanks. Would you proud your heads in prayer with me? Lord, we do thank you for dying for us. Thank you for giving us salvation. Thank you for coming, stooping down here with one of us and standing up for us in the resurrection. Lord, we could never pay that debt. You paid it for us. Thank you for giving us salvation. God, thank you for your grace. And we thank you that we have this moment together as a church family and believers to, to remember what you've done and to also look at where we are and to look forward to when you come again. So Lord, I pray you'll speak to each of our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus took bread and when he broke it, he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. What does that mean? No more sacrificing animals. The perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, sinless. New covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I think it would be wonderful if he came this week. We're going to sing here in a moment and be dismissed, but let me make a couple of quick announcements. First, thank you for being here today. No Wednesday activities for the next two weeks. 
Next Sunday, only the 9.30 and 11 o'clock worship services. The next two Sundays, actually, 9.30 and 11. I know it's the day after Christmas, but we're going to have church. After all, it is Jesus' birthday. So we're not going to cancel it. Um, Christmas Eve is Friday night. Or Friday. It's all day Friday, actually. (laughs) Just so you'll know. 3 o'clock, 4.30, and 6. It lasts an hour. If you have children, we even have some activities after each of those services for the children in the gym. It won't take long, but there's some extra things for them. We're going to sing together. We're going to look at God's word together. And we're, Josh Wilson is going to be here and do some things. And we'll have candlelight and carols. And so it'll be an hour long, 3, 4.30, and 6. And then the next Sunday is 9.30 and 11. And it sure does help us if you can let us know if you have preschoolers that will be needing child care. You can see that in the bulletin. Uh, Year-end gifts are always appreciated. Our office will be open even on December 31st until 6 because a lot of people bring in year-end gifts. And you'll see all the other announcements that are in the bulletin. If you're our guest, I'd like to meet you. I'll be in the hospitality room. Out the door, turn right, the room with all the glass. Come in there. I'd like to meet you. I have something I'll give you. I'd like to put a name and a face. Or you're a new member and I've not met you. Would like to do that. You could also help us if you wouldn't mind taking these out, throwing them away. It would help us for the next service. Next time you watch a Christmas carol, you're going to think of it a little bit differently, aren't you? We have a past, a present, and we have a glorious future. Amen. God bless you, Brother Jerry. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment, Or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.